I totally forgot, and I felt like a big dork. My phone went off. I should have turned it off. I should have turned my ringer off, but I totally forgot. You see, here's what happened. My, uh, my son, my youngest son, had accepted a new ministry position in uh, Fergus Falls, uh, the place where our church convention happened last weekend. And uh, it was the first time that the, he and his wife are buying a home. First time home buyer in this particular market. And so he was pretty nervous the night before we went to uh, look at the house together. And when he left the convention, I said to him, I said, now, pal, uh, mom and I will be praying for you. So make sure that you give us a call if there's any question that you have, um, how we can pray for you. And if you need some feedback, what you're thinking, he's going to put an offer in on the house. This is on uh, Monday, Monday morning. And he said, okay, dad, okay. Fast forward just a few hours later. I'm at the church convention, and our former pastor, Pastor Brian Pengman, many, many of you remember, he was preaching. And so he gave his introductory comments, and he said, let's pray. And in the middle of his prayer, my phone went off. But my phone didn't go off just to anything. My phone went off to my son. And my son's ringtone goes like this. As he's praying, and as he's praying, graciously, yeah, that's okay. And as he's praying, Pastor Brandon said, and Lord, we pray that you'll come with power like that. <laughs> I'm sitting next to my friend Greg Anderson from Bible Camp, and to his right is Dory Fink, who is just up here. They are losing it. And next to me is uh, my son-in-law, who is a delegate, and he is losing it as well. And I am laughing at them, laughing at me, and I can't turn it off fast enough. Sometimes we forget, amen? I mean, we make comments like this. Can you text me the day before and just remind me? Can you give me a call? We have different ways of reminding each other. We we have post-it notes. If you came to my home office, you'd see post-it notes all over the place in my home office. Just words of wisdom. Uh, different generations do it different ways, don't they? Some, some will even go so far as to have a tattoo, and they'll, I don't want to forget that. Just this week, I saw a number of things to not to forget. We went to the Eau Claire Express game, and I read about the people that are in the Eau Claire Baseball Hall of Fame and the, and the bust of the great... Hank Aaron. I was at Mayo Hospital this week, and I saw pictures of people who were founders so that we wouldn't forget the contribution they made to the medical community, right? And we just went on a bike ride yesterday, beautiful day to go on a bike ride. I went over that new pretty bridge at Pablo, and there was a plaque for the person who built that bridge so that we won't forget. Here's how that relates today. The psalmist in Psalm 103 says this, do not forget all his benefits. Like what? We're people who forget. And this exhortation is one of saying, don't forget. And we're encouraged that we are not forget to forget, but he remembers. In fact, the word remember is used three times, and it talks about what God does. And we take great delight in that. The hymn writer, King David, uses a, a funnel, if you will, a funnel to start the psalm and to end the psalm. 
But the funnel is turned upside down in this regards. The psalm starts with this, praise the Lord, O my soul. And then it ends with this, praise the Lord, O my soul. It starts very personal, and then it becomes global as a reminder of saying, it's bigger than us. So here's where we're going to go. First of all, as we are encouraged not to forget his benefits, we'll see the fact that the idea about forgetting is more than just being absent-minded, something like not turning off your phone. It's much more powerful than that. And there are some practical things that when we look at the psalm, we have this idea of saying, how can I not forget all his incredible benefits for me? And then the second thing is, we'll have this beautiful gospel truth to, to wash over us right in the middle of the psalm that says, he is like no other God because he is our Father. And what he promises, no one can compare to him. And then finally, we'll end the psalm with just a grand reminder that we're a part of something much, much greater. So I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to page 517. David writes this psalm. He writes this psalm of, for us, and he begins and ends at the same time. And if you want to mark up some verbs or some words, there are a series of pronouns that you should look for beginning in verse 2 and 3, 4, and 5. See if you can find them. Let's read. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They, they flourished like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it. And it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with the children's children. With those who keep his command and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. So praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. You, his servants who do his will, praise the Lord. All his works everywhere in his dominion. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a blessing we have experienced, I have experienced, as this body of Christ has gathered together 
Many of us have walked with you for years, some just for a few months. But the benefits of your goodness and provision can be tangibly listed as we give thanks. At the same time, we confess as your people much fear, anger, anxiety, and discouragement because we forget. We forget the benefits that have been listed, those that are freely given and gifted to us in Jesus. Forgive us. Our heads know it and our hearts forget it. So speak to our souls. Holy Spirit, speak to our inner, born-again, transformed person in Christ. This assured place that we have in your family, may we be strengthened and renewed. Heavenly Father, you are our King, our Shepherd, and the perfect Father. Everything you do is absolutely right. We can trust you, even in pain and in suffering and in dark days and hard months. As adopted children in your family, you know us so well. What we see in the mirror as a mess, you see as a child, you see us as children, your children, of incredible worth. So worthy that you sent your only son to die for us and pay the penalty for our sin, our sins, our repeated sin, our stain of sin, and our guilt of sin. So I pray that you would remember your bride, this church, and give us ears to hear so that we won't forget for your glory, for your kingdom, for your fame, and for your name. Amen and amen. I want to invite you to once again find a bulletin insert, take some notes for the person that the Lord will bring upon your path. And there we go. Thank you. This message is entitled, Don't Forget. He remembers. And the first thing that we want to take a look at is just the simple fact not to forget all his benefits. Let me repeat that. Don't forget all his benefits. Like what kind of benefits? Look at the list that begins there in verses 2 and 3. It lists the benefits of what he does for us. He forgives all our sins. We are to praise his holy name. So let's combine the benefits with his name. He forgives. He's our Savior. He heals us. His name is Jehovah Rapha. He redeems us. He's the Passover lamb. He's the crowner of us. He is Christus Victor. He satisfies and provides. He's Jehovah Ra Jireh. He's the righteous one. Tid's canoe. Sid's canoe, excuse me. Jehovah Sid's canoe. And he administers justice. He is Elohim, the one who judges. David says, don't forget that. Don't forget the one that we're praising. Don't forget that. And it simply means more than just absent-minded, like skipping a birthday or an anniversary or checking the oil in your snowblower because it was fine last year. And then it froze up on me. That cost me 1500 bucks. It's more than that. In fact, you can have kind of a, a blow-by verse that just, if you look at verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. There's no other generation of people that had seen God do great and mighty things like manna and the Red Sea and plagues and being outnumbered in battle and the giving of the law. And this generation of people found in the book of Numbers continued 
to show disbelief even though God showed his wonderful covenant faithfulness. Don't forget. Don't forget. Did you circle those pronouns, by the way, in verses 3, 4, and 5? Did you see all the yous and the yours? God forgives and restores individuals. Our ultimate way is through the cross. And we are through the cross consequences and the stain of sin is removed. You see, remembering when we don't forget and we remember, remember we internalize. We internalize a history of grace in the way that God meets us and strengthens us so that we act in a renewing way in a relationship with him. So let me illustrate it this way. Maybe you're listening to this and you're, you're wondering and you say, you know, I, I forget. I often forget. I want to remember. So give me some help, Pastor Kirk. What, you, what can you say to me? Well, a couple things. First of all is this. Let God's word speak to your soul by meditating on God's word. When the Bible uses the word meditate, it's not in the idea of a relaxing technique of emptying your mind. Let me repeat that. When the Bible talks about meditating, it's not a relaxing technique of emptying your mind, but rather it is filling it with God's word and what is true so that your spirit will be lit on fire. That's what it means. For, for me personally, I, I have found the, the practice of reading the book of Proverbs on a regular basis, one that feeds my soul. I've been doing that since I was a junior in high school. And you'd think I'd have all kinds of Proverbs. I'd know it back and forth. I don't. I found that having a devotional guides helps me. Having prayer rhythms. I pray for you on Wednesdays. I pray for my wife on Thursdays. I pray for my kids on Friday. I pray for our leadership on Tuesday. I pray for the local church on Monday. Those are rhythms to help me remind myself and, so that I won't forget. And here's the second practical thing. Forgetting is a really big deal in the Bible. It's a really big deal in the Bible. The word is, the Hebrew word is shaka. To, it's a compound word, shaka. And it's used in a very uncomfortable account in the scriptures in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. If you want to turn there, you'll find it. It's on page 205. The book of Judges is not the most encouraging book. It's kind of a cyclical book. God moves in a powerful way. People forget. They rebel. God sends a judge. He brings mercy. And the way that the word forget is used in Judges chapter 3, verse 7 through 8, listen to what it says. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they forgot, verse 7, the Lord their God, and they served the Baals and Asherahs. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that they sold him into the hands of the Kushna, Risha, king of Aram, Neharz, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. Lots of big words there. Here's what you need to know. The word forget in this idea and in this use is telling God off. Telling God off, rejecting him, to spiritually prostitute oneself 
to fade away in adultery of the heart. That's what's at risk. That's what David's trying to get to. The book of Philippians says this. The Apostle Paul says, One thing I won't forget, pursuing Christ. Pursuing Christ. That's the risk. I'm afraid of forgetting. Know that the Lord won't forget you. Know that the Lord remembers you. Which leads us to our second point. It's this. We forget he remembers. How great is his love for us. How great and awesome is his love for us. This section alone is worth slowly unpacking and meditating on and digesting. There are so many powerful uh, words and word pictures here, even as for followers of Christ. At times we at best passively and at other times actively reject and forget his truth. But the Lord, the Redeemer, knows us to the very bottom of our core beings. He loves us to the very skies. In verse 14 says, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows us. And the word, that, word, the, that idea is emphatic. Maybe you're looking at me this morning saying, Pastor, if you had any idea what I'm like, he does. That's what the scriptures tell us. Not only does he love us and pardon us as sinners when we call out to Christ, but he adopts us as family. He gives us a family resemblance. One of my favorite seminary professors, Dr. Gene Bowe from the Lutheran Brethren Seminary, explained Hebrews chapter 2, 13 this way when Jesus said, I'm here with the sons and daughters God has given me. Dr. Bowe said, Jesus is almost saying this, Lord, they're with us. They're in our family the Holy Spirit will help them, you and me, fit in. Fit in this family of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us fit in. Wow. The psalmist says that the vastness of the love of God is as far as east is from the west. I've always wondered why did the psalmist use that? East is from the west. And then President Paul, Pastor Paul, explained it this way, and I thought, that makes sense. When people die, if you go to a funeral, they usually put their arms across or their, their hands down like this, right, when you look in, look in the casket. But this is how the Savior from the Son of God died. His arms were open wide. As far as the east is from the west, as far as those who have gone before us, saints who have walked with Jesus, who have received his goodness, he embraces their arms, he, his arms embrace them. And then the idea is there's future children to come too, like our children's children and generations that we've never seen before. So great is his love for us. How amazing is that? But the second illustration is one of intimacy. If the first one, as high as the heavens are above the earth, and as far as the east is from the west, we, we have this vastness, this try to get your head around this kind of idea it, with, with freedom to walk. But then the second pull, the second pull is one of intimacy. He invites us into family, and he uses family kind of language. 
as the father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You see this word compassion again and again and again in this psalm. But here's, there's a differentiation in these two words. It literally means pity. Having pity, like a parent's ear that's turned to their infant newborn. In fact, the other place that's used this word is in Isaiah 49. And it's this crazy idea of this mother who won't feed and care for their infant. Have you ever, have you seen re recently how um, young parents who have infants, all the cool stuff they have? We now have grandkids. And so uh, they've got these baby monitors that are like, they can, I don't, what, I just blanked on the name. They can see in the dark. It's crazy. It's really cool. So our little guy was with us a couple weeks ago, and it's completely black, and the camera's showing, and it's this baby monitor, and that little goofball, he's goofing off. And Julie's having a great time. And if you see young parents, they'll have, they'll have like a baby monitor next to them, and they'll be talking, and all of a sudden, the baby will make a, 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 a sound, and they'll say, excuse me, I gotta go. Have you seen that before? Yeah, as the Father has pity and compassion on us. That's why I chose this psalm on Father's Day, by the way. All of us have had some dads, some, some whose dads are still alive, some are in heaven, and others may not be. And when you ever talk about fathers, there's such a mixed range of fathers, right? Some fathers have been abusive and angry and you never know which kind of dad you'll get, the Dr. Jekyll or the Mr. Hyde dad. But it's interesting to know that the scriptures say that he is slow, slow to anger. That's not who we are, right? We may not struggle with anger, but what we do struggle is holding a grudge or wanting to get back, but that's not him. That's not him at all. Throughout the scripture, and Jesus' famous sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, we're reminded again and again, the language for God that Jesus uses is Father, 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 Father. His disciples asked them, how should we pray? The disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? Of all the terms that Jesus could have used, when you pray, pray like this. Address him as Yahweh. That would have fit. It's true, right? Address him as Elohim, maker of the heavens and the earth. We're going, to have the, we're going to have the Lord's Supper here pretty quick, and we'll confess the words of the Apostles' Creed, and it's all true. He's the maker of heaven and earth, Elohim. Maybe he could have used other words, but what is when you address him, how do you address him? You address him as Father. Father. There's something there. The most famous Bible verse in the world is John 3.16, and it's it's done in family language, is it not? God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, father language. So uh, last fall, a number of us saw this movie, Show Me the Father. How many of you saw this movie? It was in Chippewa? Oh, good. Well, you're going to like this then. It was a number of different stories. It was written by, produced by the people who did courageous and fireproof and a number of those and Julie and I watched it and man it didn't take me too long before I was just weeping in this in the uh, in the movie theater it was up at Chippewa Falls at that pretty theater 
And there's a particular clip that I want to show you. It's about three and a half minutes. And it begins with Dr. Tony Evans. I have high respect for this man. In a course of about 18 months, he lost numerous people to various diseases. And he held on to Christ. Dr. Tony Evans makes this powerful comment that you'll meet right away in the opening clip, that he is a perfect father. Everything he does is perfect. And if someone's perfect, can't you trust him? The second person you'll see took over for a strong leader. His name is Dr. Jim, Dale, uh, Jim Daly, and he took over for James Dobson at Focus on the Family. The thing that you need to know about the second guy that you meet is that he grew up with a horrible dad, an alcoholic dad. He bounced from foster home to foster home, and Jim Daly was brought to Christ through the witness of a coach through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And he makes this powerful comment, why didn't I have a dad? Why didn't I have a dad? Here's the clip. But there is also this message in scripture that the fatherhood of God is perfect. All of God's attributes, his characteristics, are perfect in every detail. There is not a speck of imperfection with God, so that everything he says, he's completely right about. <laughs> he's completely right about it, not only informationally, but intuitively, because it's who he is. The reason why you can trust him is that he cannot make a mistake. Anybody that good at what they do <laughs> is worthy of our trust, even when we do not understand them. Today on Focus on the Family, we'll get some insight from a couple of dads who talk about the power of a father's words and actions. John, many of us know the heartache. At Focus, we had the real estate collapse of 07, 08 and we had to lay off. I had to lay off 600 people over a three-year period. And I remember one night, I was down in the basement of my house, and I was sleeping an hour or two a night because of the stress of this. And I remember Dr. Dobson would say to me, when he didn't know what to do with focus on the family in the early days, he'd call his dad. And his dad would always have the right word of wisdom. And I'm down in this basement going, I don't have a dad. Lord, why didn't you give me a dad I could call? Because I need wisdom right now. But you didn't give me that dad. And I'm telling you, it wasn't audible, but what I heard in my spirit with a tonal quality was, haven't, haven't I been a good father? What, what do you need? And I went down on my face and began to weep, just saying, you've been the best father a boy could have. You've been everything. Look at what you've done for me. If you don't have a dad, God is standing there saying, I will be this for you. 
and I'll be the best father you could ever have. And that's what's happened in my life. The Holy Spirit is looking for the broken spirit, the person that's wounded, because there's some kind of humility, I think, that comes from brokenness. When you don't have the answers, maybe somebody's wounded you. And at that point, there's nowhere else to go. And you're saying, Lord, if you're there, will you show yourself to me? He's whispering, I've always been here. I've just been waiting for you to call out to me. What I needed was a father. And I found that person in Christ. Wow. Rest in this child of God. We forget. He remembers. That's his great and mighty love that he has for us. David ends this passage of scripture with just this powerful point. Don't forget to remember we're a part of something much grander. You and I are a part of something much grander. This life isn't all there is. We are one day closer to real home, true rest, the reality of seeing our Heavenly Father face to face. I needed this word yesterday. I was sharing with someone before the service. I began just late yesterday afternoon reading the just... The, my favorite paper, the USA Today, that I gotten from the hotel earlier in the week. And as I read the news, I became more and more discouraged. And I was reminded that I'm a part of something much grander. David uses a language, some words here in verse 20. He says, praise him, all you heavenly hosts. He used that same word when he was a teenager. If we were going to play a word association game and I said, I'm going to say a word and you say what comes to your mind. If I said, David, you might say Goliath. Even secular culture outside the church knows that David and Goliath story. David used that same word here in verse 20 that he did when he faced Goliath. And he ran towards Goliath and he said, you come at me, but I come in the name of the Lord of the armies. You and I are part of something much grander. Much grander. God is calling people to himself. His patience and his kindness means more people will come to Christ. Why hasn't Christ returned? I don't know. When will he return? None of us knows. But his patience means more people will come to know him. He is the God of the angel armies. So these action steps, rehearse his benefits, rehearse his faithfulness, rehearse his forgiveness. He knows you emphatically. He is slow to anger. He is overflowing with love. Go outside today. Look up as high as you can. The heavens see his steadfast love, go outside and look to the east and the west. So far are your sins forgiven. Find supreme happiness in knowing this, that you are loved. You are loved even in spite of your brokenness. That acceptance of the Father 
is here for you every second. You are a part of something much grander. Let's pray. Father, this psalm assures us that you do, can, you do and you can forgive. We praise you at the end of this message by saying you are faithful even when we're not. We thank you for the beautiful truths that are in this scripture that allow us a joy and a peace and a hope for our future. And now we tangibly take, we tangibly take the body and blood of our Lord Jesus. Once again, a reminder that you care for us and that you watch over us and that you provide for us. So in the quietness of this hour, my friend, in the quietness of this place, I invite you to confess your sins. He knows them already. He's aware of them already. He cares for you immensely because he's our father. So I invite you to confess your sins. Lord, you've heard the prayers of your people. Thank you that Christ gave this meal on our behalf, paying the penalty for our sins, the stain of our sin, the guilt of our sin. We don't deserve it. Thank you for this gift. Amen.